Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Rory. And I'm Jay. And this is Midnight Chats, an Octivagant companion show where we sit down with your favorite paranormal authors, investigators, and researchers and have a chat about their work, the phenomenon, and all the strangeness in between. And on this episode, we are joined by preservationist, cat lover, and owner and caretaker for the infamous Randolph County Asylum, Dan Allen. Yeah. I, and I guess I should say caretaker of a lot more properties, too. Yeah, apparently he, six of them. Yeah, he. Um, it, it's very cool. It sounds like he collects haunted buildings like Pokemon. <laughs> I, I low-key hope he collects the Northville Asylum, just because I think it would be funny if it's just like, why did this random person from Indiana buy this historical asylum? Eh, we told him to. <laughs> because some nobody is on some, uh, on some little podcast mentioned it. Although I think that happened off air. It did, but that's okay. If you ever want to leap down local urban legend uh, rabbit holes, look up the Northville Asylum and the Northville Tunnels. Northville, Michigan, if you didn't know that part. And then don't bother it. Don't yeah. go there and bother it. I, I've been down in those tunnels. I didn't see anything that said no. it certainly felt like an inhabited place. Very ominous feeling. Very, very ominous feeling. But no, yeah, no, I didn't see anything when I was there either. But yeah, no, so uh, the Randolph County Asylum sounds uh, crazy. I, I want to go there. I want to do an investigation there, despite Jay's cowardice. Yeah, no, we definitely will. Uh, again, despite Jay's cowardice, we will drag them. Kicking and screaming. We're gonna we're gonna use you as a biosensor. What that means is it will push you into a room and if we hear you start screaming, we know there are ghosts. Don't do that to me. <laughs> but I really want to. Okay, but if I get possessed, you're the one who's gonna have to deal with it. No, I'll just leave. I'm not married to you. Yeah, no, that's me. No, you are not making Rory put up with this by themselves. If you get my ass possessed, you are helping. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> they, they, he will. He'll help. He'll have no choice. Because I will leave you on his front doorstep. I mean, I'll be there too, but, you know, I guess we'll be on his <laughs> I front just, doorstep. I just wake up one day to find Jay, like, handcuffed to my front door. Second. We have a key. Oh, yeah, we live in the same house. Anyway, let's get on with the interview. Let's go. line with Dan Allen, preservationist for the Randolph County Asylum. Dan, thank you for giving us some of your time this evening. Thank you. All right. So uh, launching right into this, uh, our first question is one that we ask all our guests uh, because we are a book club, uh, which is what are you currently reading and what types of books do you tend to gravitate towards? Well, you'd be disappointed in me. <laughs> I'm a book reader. <laughs> hey, that's okay. You're, you're not the first and I guarantee you won't be the last. No, it's oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, more into science and and uh, along that line. So I like doing experiments and and watching uh, videos uh, about science. So absolutely, okay. my favorite, like Nikola Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tesla is a great character. I I've been dying to uh, sink into a biography of him that I've been holding onto for like three years now. My uh, my favorite memory with my father is one time. 
I was like seven years old and he had me in the kitchen with him as he was making a non uh, as he was making a non Newtonian slime in our kitchen, like out of baking supplies and showing me how to do it. <laughs> like it was, that's that's freaking cool. That's awesome. I yeah. don't know how to make a non Newtonian slime and I pay taxes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Ask my dad. He'll show you. All right. Well, no worries. Then we'll go into our second question. Now, for our listeners at home who may not yet know about the Randolph County Asylum, can you give us a brief rundown of the history of the location? Yeah, um, the asylum, it was the the building here now was built in 1899 and it's the fourth building. So in the 1820s, when the state said pretty much each county had to have a place for their own indigents or or what have you they pretty much covered everything uh they had like a house on a typical on a on a piece of ground and they started working out of that house in the 1820s and then finally they built a wood structure like in 1951 well you've got people that aren't mentally there you've got everything Everything's fire. You got you got um, lighting, cooking. You know, just mm-hmm. everything's fire. So naturally, fire plus wood. Yeah, right. You see where it's going. Yeah, it's going unfortunately. Down. Yes. So it lasted about two and a half years, and so then, like in I think they said 1856, they started building. Uh, one adjacent to where the one burnt down. And there again, they had problems. They they fired the brick on site for the second building. They said, we're going to make it out of brick this time. So they fired the brick on site, but unfortunately did not get the clay hot enough. So the brick never really did become super hard. And that building pretty much melted away. Oh, no. And they holes and such around the windows and so finally in the late or mid 1880s or 90s they said let's build another building and they said you know what we still got that 1851 foundation let's put the building on that so about half of the building here now is built on the 1851 foundation interesting very interesting so for a long time are all the, I guess, the were all the buildings in the same location or just those two? They were within a you know 100-foot radius. Okay, so yeah. cl- close enough they might as well be. Yeah. All right, now, how did you come to own the asylum? Uh, and what kind of drives you into this kind of preservationist work? Well, in our hometown of Hartford City, Indiana, the old Blackford County Jail was kind of for auction and uh, a silent auction. So we we didn't want to see it tore down. There was like 11 people wanted it and nine of them wanted it tore down or apartments or, or you know, something that'll just ruin the jail. So me and my brother was the only ones who wanted to keep it as is. So we, we put a bid in, not thinking we'd get a chance. It was a silent bid. And uh, we did get outbid, but uh, the guy who outbid us said, I don't care about the building. I just want the generator in the basement. Uh, oh, 
So we said, you know, pull your bed and we'll give you the generator. So that's how we ended up with it. Nice. Oh, very good. Yeah, he would just want to fall down. He could care less. So then, okay, now we now we've got a, a historical building and we saved it. Well, then all this crazy things started happening about two years after I moved in. And see, and this was in '96. Sorry, the the jail, uh, the jail was no longer a jail in '95, and then it sat empty for a year. And in '96, and I moved in in 2000, and never thought about it being haunted or anything. And uh, some crazy things started happening about two years after I moved in, and. Very conservative area. You just don't go around telling people you saw ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to nuts or the devil. And so, um, anyway, word slowly got out. But the biggest thing that happened that really changed me was a guy walks into my room one day. Well, actually, it was one thirty in the morning. And come to find out was the next sheriff. The guy wasn't real. Oh, but it was just you and me and, uh, described him to a T to his, his niece and said, yep, that's him. And how'd you know all this? Uh, well, even what he was wearing, what I saw him was what he wore when he was off duty. So actually backed up all the other things I've seen hasn't been, but they're across the board, real crazy, real minor, but, so then ghost hunters came to us. We didn't know anything about ghost hunters at the time. That's around, you know, 2002. That's how we kind of got into it. But then when we saw the Randolph County Asylum sitting and slowly getting worse, I called one of the commissioners, county commissioners, and they said, well, if you have some, you have a good business plan or some money, well, not or and some money. Mm-hmm. We'll talk. Yeah, I guess people have approached them for different things. They said, "What do you want to do to it?" And I said, "Absolutely nothing. I want to keep it as is, make it look nice, and probably have rented out to daytime people to do whatever they want." And uh, they like that, and uh, and that's what we've done with the old jail too. We actually even unmodel we take down drywall and go back to the plaster and lab nice so i'm curious uh when you say people rent to get out for whatever is it only uh ghost hunters ghost investigators or do you get people like hosting birthday parties there oh birthday parties at the asylum we've had weddings several weddings Oh my God, getting um, married in a haunted asylum? That's amazing. Yeah, I think I saw something oh, I about that on the website. I thought that was really neat. Oh, in the picture, one guy from Indianapolis, he did one. He was a wedding venue or whatever. He did one heck of a nice job up here. He had chandeliers up in the attics. It, he made that look so beautiful. And uh, any, anyway, so now we have a a mansion in Winchester, Indiana as well. And that's what we want to do that for a venue as well. It's got a nice big lawn and long front porch and such. So, yeah, I didn't want it just to be ghost hunting. Um, Cause there's a lot of people that aren't 
into ghost hunting that want to see the building, want to see historically um, and educationally. I mean, how did people live back in the day? Right. Yeah, absolutely. They had electricity and uh, (laughs) plumbing. So, yeah, it'd be, people would be. I'm 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 curious. Uh, So you have. So that, by my count, that makes it four properties that you're managing. You have the Randolph County Asylum, there is the old jail, uh, the Irvin Campbell Speakeasy, that's something I saw online, and now this mansion in Winchester, correct? Correct. And uh, a church and a school. Okay. Um, have you seen activity at all of them, or is that mostly limited to the jail and the asylum? I've not seen anything at the church, but... Um Everywhere else. And up until recently, we lived in the jail. So I saw the most. But then the asylum, pound for pound, (laughs) (laughs) it's everything else. So, yes. Uh, What sort of activity is most common at, at Randolph County Asylum in particular? What kind of activity is most common there? Uh, and do you have like, do you have any like favorite stories about like the craziest thing that you've seen? Uh, right when you think something's common, it changes. Uh, so therefore, yeah, for a long time, it was this all shadow figure, then a lot of music, then whistling, then voices, then doors closing. So it seems like it seems like when you say the most common thing that happens, it, it changes. So um, I'd say right now we're probably in the shadow figures, but not really the tall shadow figures. We've got like a creeper and a, and then just shadow figures people are seeing. They started on the first floor. Now it's pretty much throughout, but it's, it happens. Everything happened, but. It's hard to pick up the most common. Right. Interesting. Uh, when you say you're seeing a creepy, sha- a, a creep, a creeper shadow figure, do you mean like something that's like crawling on the ground? Yes. Interesting. We uh, and we previously spoke with uh, Mike Ricksecker, and he had a uh, pl- he had several stories about shadow people like that. It's interesting to uh, hear another case where we're seeing the same type of entity popping up. We even have a picture of one. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't take it. Uh, um, none of our staff took it, but somebody somebody that uh, saw it and said, hey, in this area, we've been seeing seeing the creeper. And uh, so a guy, our tour guide, was saying that to happen to catch it. But when our tour guide, but our tour guide was talking about it. So the guy was ready for it and caught it. Oh, that's awesome. Interesting. So, I mean, you, it sounds like you have this almost revolving door of entities coming and going. Uh, in your time managing the property, do you feel like you've uh, come to understand any specific spirits or forged any kind of relationships with the entities there? Yeah, we have. Um, uh, we've had people that lived here all their lives for one reason or another, and... When we found out about them, we we actually did try to contact them, and they have been talking to us. And 
uh, one lady who killed herself in the basement, um, we were telling about that, and she pretty much got a hold of uh, the guy that was doing the tours and said, don't say that about me. All the good I did in life, and you're just reflecting on one thing I did. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they went back and forth for quite a while. So, and at one point she wanted our tour guide dead. <laughs> so, so he said he always held on. And this guy was not a believer prior to this. Ted Martin, our tour guide, he, uh, uh, he now holds on the handrails when he goes down the steps because he says he has a creepy feeling something's going to grab his ankle when he's walking down the steps. <laughs> I mean, I feel that way all the time on stairs, and I've never been threatened by a ghost, so I can only imagine. And he didn't either till then. Now, have you found that uh, the activity in Randolph County tends to be darker than the other uh, properties you manage? Is there any noticeable, I guess, differences of flavors of hauntings between the various locations you manage? Yeah, there is a different flavor. When we go from go from the jail to the asylum to okay, like the school it does seem to be um plus you know dealing with the, the entities that would have been here so it's almost like we're traveling back and so we don't find that you know we have people that are as mean as we would find at the jail hmm. but and then the the school we tend to find younger so it does reflect past each place we go to pretty well and the asylum it started out asylum then then a poor farm then you know rest home so it went through quite a few uh, it it wore quite a few hats you might say Mm -hmm. during its time and uh, so we do find quite the variety here and even going through wartime you know, went through one currently building standing here, went through, you know, the first great war and the second great war and all the other wars in between. And so um, occasionally we'll reflect on something like that. It happens. So I just saw something moving around back by your dog carrier. <laughs> the one, the guy in the basement. So oh, back here. Yeah, right there. Well, just a few few seconds ago i don't know if it was a a flare or what but yeah something right below it kind of moved around so there shouldn't be any animals down here either so that's interesting (laughs) oh we'll keep an eye on that interesting oh now i'm not going to be able to stop looking at that door we're actually all in the same basement right now uh you're just seeing the same room from different angles yeah yeah Yeah. nick's right nick's over here from me and jay's over there from me okay maybe it's his shadow okay well, you weren't moving. Oh, no. Anyway, yeah, look, like, look back at it. So, take take taking our mind off the 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 thing that may or may not have been there. Um, obviously, you do things. Uh, you do things at the locations besides ghost hunting. We already went into that. Have you ever encountered yeah. problems with the the paranormal investigator teams? the paranormal investigation teams not being as respectful of the property as they should be. Like have, have there been times where you felt like the property was at risk by having these teams, um, by allowing these teams to come and investigate? Unfortunately, but I'm not going to let the few 
uh, represent the majority. So that's it, good. It wasn't too. So yeah, I mean, don't put your sweaty water bottle on the ledges or or you know stuff that can leave a ring and right and uh, uh, had people do stuff we told absolutely don't do and of course but you know less than one percent so uh, nothing to really dwell upon to always be people like that so we just try to idiot proof and the place as well as trying to get people like that you know they just won't ask ask to come back you know to come back so so largely have you found uh that kind of the act of trying to preserve these old buildings works pretty well with the other things that you're doing with them thinking not just paranormal investigations but using them as a venue i get um do you find a lot of conflict between those two endeavors no not at all um one of my scenes was we don't alter the building for the people like they do for apartments. Mm-hmm. We don't alter the, the people. We alter the people for the building. Right. So interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Um, people will say, you know what? We saved this building, this old building, this beautiful building. How? We turned it into apartments. To me, that's not saving the building. Mm-hmm. They saved 40% of it. The outside. But the inside, they usually gut, put up drywall, and usually, what I've seen so far, they don't hold on hold on to them very long afterwards. So, um, yeah, they might have saved the outside of the building mostly, but I we have stopped save inside and out. I think that's how we differ. Well, interesting. I also got to wonder, had they succeeded in putting apartments in there, how long that would have lasted given the activity in the building? Well, when when there's more than one person in a place, you can always blame the other person. True. So, yeah, when you're investigating and you hear something and everybody's accounted for, well, that makes a difference. And all the electronic stuff that, yeah. If they had all that stuff in, in the apartments, they could care less, you know, we'll blame it on something else. Now, if something entity walks right into the room, you know, that's different. But even then, they're going to say, you know why I did smoke a little bit of something the night before. Uh, <laughs> well, and you got to wonder, like, if they had put the apartment complexes in, how different, because, I mean, you would think the activity in some way would still be there. But I wonder how different it would be with you know all the different like all the people that are living in that location now versus just people coming and going and letting the spirits kind of just be how they want the spirits don't have to react to to as many people with the staying the way that it is but if it was an apartment complex you know you're gonna have people coming in and out you know signing six month to a year leases you got constant movement going in and out of the building it swallows itself alive like the poltergeist house (laughs) (laughs) Now, I, I kind of on that note, though, um, so one thing that we've come across a lot in our research uh, regarding haunted locations is that they often have a reflective quality to them. Like you show up um, wanting to encounter something dark and scary, you're more likely to actually encounter something dark and scary. Have you found that that's true with the properties you manage, specifically Randolph County, or does, do, does the behavior seem more consistent than that? 
it's more consistent. People wanting to come in and and uh, do something that poltergeist type stuff, they're going to be disappointed. Hmm. But when they hear door slam, they're going to say poltergeist versus versus just you know an entity closing the door. So what they'll deem poltergeist will be a lot lower level than what other people. So they'll they'll get what they want maybe, but they're going to have to redefine what others call uh, a ghost closing the door. Hmm. Right. So yeah, it's going to be the you know and and I, I tell people when the lighting's just right and you look down the hallway with all these doors, you will convince yourself you see somebody peeking peeking head out. You will convince yourself. Now, if you have video to show it up. That's different. But if somebody wants to come in and believe so strongly they're going to see or hear something, most likely they will. So it's good to know that the videos and, and such will double check them. I guess so, on, on that note, um, I know you mentioned that you guys got the photo of the crawler. Uh, I guess what, yeah. what, what, what other kinds of evidence do you think you've gathered? Is there anything in there that uh, really stands out to you? Yeah, I, I took a lot of photographs too. Um, but being the owner, they're going to say, well, I doctored them or whatever. But of course, I, I don't. I mean, um, we never want to be caught cheating. You know, if we, a tripwire, you know, a microphone, you could just close your doors. Well, so I take pictures and I just let people decide what they see. And, so I've taken some pretty unique pictures. I, I myself has got a crawler. Um, I've got skulls on staffs, um, and just hmm. really freaky looking things. And I don't know what they are. Skulls I mean, on staffs. That is yeah. so metal, but that is scary uh -huh. as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Up in, up in the attic at the asylum and, and a lot of things in, in reflection of windows, uh, it just looked too good. You know, reflection windows. Yeah. I can uh, kind of make out a face here and there and yeah, we don't really count that, but really strong features or, uh, people that, you know, we had a guy that I forget his name offhand, but, uh, used to take care of the chickens back in the sixties, I believe 1960s. And when they said, we're no longer a poor farm, they took the chickens away and, and he goes, well, I'm useless. But I actually <laughs> brought the form. I thought that was very nice of him. And uh, I saw a picture, or saw, uh, I saw him in a reflection. There's no doubt it's him in a reflection of a window. So it's not like uh, if I connect these three dots together, that was, you know, that's him. So it was very vivid. Yeah, I mean. I love the idea of the asylum being haunted by the ghost of a benevolent chicken farmer. That's just, that's really cute. I, I do yeah. like that. Now, yeah. I'm curious. You mentioned that uh, the asylum is located in a fairly conservative area. There's not a lot of people there uh, into ghosts. So I guess, uh, where were you on that topic up leading up to your first experiences? Did you completely uh, not believe in ghosts? Were you agnostic towards it? No, I've, I've had ghost experience probably... Since I was 16. Mm, so, okay. Just never thought about it being haunted, you know. It wasn't an old house. It wasn't old 
you know, this, that, or the other. And so never, never even thought about it. So yes, I was open to anything. And even, even so, I mean, is it a spirit or are we looking through another dimension? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure I see ghosts. I see stuff, but I can't say, is it a ghost? Mm-hmm. Do I see ghosts? I would say, I don't know what I see, but I see something. Now, is it a, a time loop? Is it another dimension? Is it a spirit? Okay. I did see something. I can describe it. But do I believe in ghosts? No, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, so, that's a healthy mindset to have, uh, at least we think, especially regarding these paranormal topics. Um, one thing that comes up very often in our discussions is the necessity of resisting certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically saying, well, you can't jump to a conclusion because once you've done that, you're kind of closed to the possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, moving forward, I mean, I know you mentioned some of the rules of the property. Uh, when we were looking at your website, we noticed one in particular we wanted to talk about. Uh, and I'm going to read this straight from as it's uh, displayed on the website. Quote, no instigating or provoking the spirits that once ro- uh, that once roamed the halls of this building. We expect that you treat the spirits with respect, just as you would the living, a sentiment which we can certainly get behind. Um, now, were there any inciting incidents which created the need for this rule? And um, or was it just mostly in the hopes yeah. of the best creating the best possible environment for the spirits in the building? It's both. But, yeah, we had a few people come in. That we knew what they did and they promised they wouldn't do it, but they did it anyway. So. So yeah. there is people like that. Um, then um, if we're dealing in another dimension or if we are dealing with ghosts that are, say, they've been uh, confined to the room for 20 years and all of a sudden we're screaming at them, well, mm-hmm. that doesn't help. Yeah. We, we want them to be in a loving situation here. Um, people can come in and try and talk to them. But their whole life, I mean, we have people, people buried out back that were forgotten in life and nobody ever visited them. So they just, they were just out here and no visitors. Then in death, nobody claimed them. And now they're in an unmarked grave. So last thing we want to do is park on them. Well, we don't want people in there yelling at them again. Um, in their peaceful past. And so we just feel it would be better if they didn't. Um, from what reactions we got here, that seems to be, uh, you know, advantageous to us. So, and to them probably. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Thank you for that answer. I'm at now, uh, I know without, you know, asking you to name names, um, I mean, have you had any experiences where you had to tell a group no? Like, for example, if you, there was a group coming in that had a reputation for doing uh, those sorts of spiritual confrontations? Yeah, we did once, one group, and then uh, we found out later they did what they said they wouldn't do and and even posted it on their website and such. So I don't want to give them the satisfaction of Given the name out. No, so, absolutely. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. We shall refer to them and as the that. investigators that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they did it anyway, and they just won't come back. Because we know we can't trust them. Uh, well, that makes a lot of sense. 
I, I mean, yeah. so you have these properties, um, and obviously you're doing, well, I guess, so you're doing some investigation there. You're taking pictures. Um, I guess, does it go much beyond that for you? Do you uh, go elsewhere to investigate other properties, or are you mostly focused on yours? <laughs> mostly focused on mine. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I find ghost hunting boring. Hi. I don't ghost hunt much. Now, I love to see what people get. They want to sit out there for hours on end and get a, you know, 20 seconds here, 20 seconds there. I love seeing that. But to me, no, I'd be out, I'd be out like a light shortly after it started. So, hey, I, I totally get it. It's my biggest issue with ghost hunting is I might fall asleep. Um, we, we've, I love saving all buildings. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's just very uh, commendable. I mean, so do you do most of the work yourself? Do you have to hire contractors? Well, we don't do contractors, and uh, um, would we love to? Yes, one of these days. I found too many, um, too many times. Unless you're standing right over them, I, you know, I'm not going to pick anybody out, but they'll cut corners. And um, I'm a engineer, and I tend to overdo things. And you know, if something. Something was made to last forever, like this building. I don't want somebody sticking a piece of plastic in its place. I want, you know, if it was metal, I want metal. And uh, wanna so, but one of these days, yeah, I hope we have enough money that contractors come in and and they prove to us that they will do it right and uh, and such. So, but you know, more faster they work, the more they make, and I just. Not impressed by somebody can get a job done in a day. That does not impress me at all. So if it took them three days, and yeah, that's better. Um, the craftsmanship in these old buildings is what I love. And they could have done it cheaply. They could have done it quickly. But they chose not to because that's who they were. And that's what we want to replace. And the neat thing about, even though I love these old buildings, in this day and age, if we can't find something, say like a piece of unique trim, we can put it on a CNC machine and have yep. the exact same. Yep. So that's the need or 3D. We've got a couple 3D printers. <laughs> that's so, amazing. We, yeah, we can make a mold and then pour a cast to replace the the piece. So um, I, I, you know, it, yeah, nev- it never occurred to me uh, how useful those technologies would be to someone in your position uh, trying to preserve an old building. Because, I mean, you're right. There's there's certain building materials which simply aren't made anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the craftsman or, you know, one of a kind trim that the, the local local guy who just did it himself. Well, you're not going to find it anywhere. And now now you can just take a few pictures here and there and put it in a program and plug it in and as long as you got the right wood it'll put you out the same exact same part down to the even the faults <laughs> that's so. that's fascinating this is very very cool yeah all right yes, so now on the note of i guess upkeeping the property and things like that i'm randolph county has been featured on a ton of paranormal television shows uh destination fear kindred spirits paranormal lockdown uh, do you think having those those uh crews come to the asylum helps with your preservation efforts like or oh yeah for sure yeah they're they're they are a half an hour commercial for us (laughs) that we cannot buy and and they none of them has left 
disappointed. So, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't pay for that kind of publicity. And and I love when they come here and and they pretty much just say, just leave us alone, let them do their own thing, and we do. And and we got to keep tight lipped about it till it airs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've done a good job at that. So, um, yeah, I absolutely love when they come. They don't, uh, they haven't really seemed to make anything any different. So what they caught is pretty much what we see here as well. So, um, even on, uh, uh, even on some of the shows where they'll have unique things, a lot of times to them that's unique, but it happens quite common here. Mm-hmm. So, um, I almost feel like I want to tape each group that comes through instead of a group through different places and taping. I want to tape the same or different groups coming to the same place. I bet it all be different. You could almost do a whole TV show based around just the asylum. Yeah. Just people coming in. So yeah, I think that'd be cool. And the work we do, we finally got a YouTube channel. I'm, I can't say I'm the latest and greatest on, <laughs> so being 61 i i missed out on that uh we had our first computer class the year after i graduated high school so um but i'm learning and if i can't then kate our manager can cover it or tim murphy or my brother richard allen or some you know somebody can usually pick up the slack and while well, i'm doing something different so uh yeah, I don't. If I try to learn Facebook, I'd have to sit down and lose four or five months of my life when they already know it. So let just let them do it. I mean, it's also not worth it. Don't give it to Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> All the other sites. Yeah, I know. I see. I should know the other sites too. Hulu. Well, let's see. There's so many others. So. Oh, oh yeah. It's it's never ending and always growing. Yeah. Back to the topic of Randolph County, what I find fascinating there is the consistency of the activity, uh, mostly because it that is unusual in a lot of the the reading I've done. Uh, and I mean, I'm not the ghost expert of our team. That's Jay over there. Uh, so they may uh, tell me I'm putting my foot in my mouth. But it, it, it do you, can you think of any reason why that consistency might still be happening there where it's not happening at other haunted locations? I didn't know. I always thought... Uh, the jail, uh, Blackford County Jail, is consistent. The asylum's consistent. The speakeasy. Um, yeah, I just didn't know other places weren't consistent. Uh, it, so. it 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 depends. It kind of runs a gambit. Like there are there are some places like Randolph County where you get you get kind of similar stories over and over again, like. Uh, I'm thinking of the oh, okay. Winchester Mansion. Lots of people have similar experiences going through like the Winchester Mansion, but then you'll have places like uh, the Perrin House that later inspired the the first Conjuring movie, where that place that place is just a giant mirror. It is just a giant ink blot test, and it it's throwing your own it's throwing your own stuff back at you a lot of the time. So it kind of. Okay. It, in in my research and my experience, it runs a gambit, and it tends to, in my in, in my theoretical framework, that's one of the ways that you can tell: is this like an actual, is this an actual like haunting where it's an actual discarnate entity doing something, or is this place just like 
a psychic wellspring that is increasing natural psi phenomenon is or is it consistent or is it operating like an ink blot test? Well, you know what it makes me wonder, mm-hmm. actually? I wonder if actually, Dan, your efforts to preserve the location are part of the reason it's consistent because the building hasn't changed from the time the spirits were alive. Right. It hasn't. We got it off the county and it still has the original hardware and stuff like that in it. And, you know, of course, we didn't take it down. So anybody else probably would have stripped it. And, uh, yeah, it still has original stuff. Um, I wonder also, has the ghost hunting stuff really changed much over the last so many years? We've got these people using the same equipment, asking the same questions. I mean, ultimately, not really. Like even the spirit box, which yeah. a lot of people consider to be new. I mean, that's been around for decades now. You know, the Frank box. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they do. They come out with new technology. New technology. We'll put that in quotations all the time. But the reality is, a lot of it is the same stuff repackaged. You know, you'll get just different ways yeah. of utilizing a spirit too. box or different. Uh, you know, different EMF readers and or, and or they start repurposing other things like SLS cameras, which aren't, you know, it's a kinetic camera, just it reads for kinetic movement. And they're, they've repurposed that to start utilizing it inside investigations and things like that or LIDAR detectors. Yeah, I was just thinking LIDAR and SLRS, I think, are the ones that would probably be the newest. Yeah, and thermal opinion. technically, right? Because yeah. you use thermal for a lot of other stuff. but Yeah, but I mean, they were using thermal even in like season one of Ghost Hunters. Yeah, but I mean, that's like that's just repurposed technology. I mean, I guess all of it really, except for the spirit box, is just repurposed technology. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's... Uh... Yeah, like I say, it's it really hadn't changed much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my that's my guess too. So, speaking of consistency and the the, the fascinating uh, the fascinating phenomenon at Randolph County, do, in your personal opinion, do you believe the spirits in the hospital are intelligent and have ongoing agency, or are they more like echoes? Like, are they kind of are they kind of stuck in a video loop, or are they still making decisions? No, they're not in the loop. Um, my first experience here was uh, here my first night by myself. So there was nobody here, and it was still daylight. It was sun setting, about like it is now. I don't know where you're out of, but so the sun was nice and orangey outside, and and I was talking on the phone to a friend of mine, and I didn't go. Any further into the basement, I could still see out through a couple of daylight windows. But I afraid I'd lose them. And then all of a sudden, something ran out from behind me. I could hear it running through the old paint chips. And I looked, it was just this little, little guy. I mean, nine, five foot tall, 100 pounds dripping wet. Hmm. But he had this real thick coat on and the towel wrapped around his head like he was cold. Now, one wrapped around like a bandana wrapped around chin to top of his head, a white towel. And so I went to take a swing at him because all we had was, you know, we've had a lot of break-ins prior to people know we own the place, but just for ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. But the way he was running at me, I thought he was going to try and either hurt me or, or hit me in the back or something. So I put everything I had into taking my elbow and swinging it around my left elbow 
And it was like a, I guess, a car wreck, slow motion. I got about halfway around and I thought, this is somebody's playing a joke on me. And uh, so I, everything I had to stop the elbow swinging around. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm arching my back thinking he's either going to run a knife in me or hit me or something. And uh, so uh, the way my body twisted, I took my eyes off for a split second. And when I turned back around, he was gone. But as soon as I took my eyes off, the last thing he did was he shuffled his one foot. He had his one foot planted and shuffled the other one, uh, clasped his hands in front of him, and looked straight down. And uh, so he wasn't trying to attack me. But six months later, we heard uh, the state reprimanded some doctors for over-medicating patients here, or inmates here, um, and they found them standing in lines that even the people in lines didn't know what it was for. Hmm. And I'm guessing when they were in line, they were hands to themselves, mm-hmm. eyes front. Yep. And so I think that made sense afterwards. So this entity must saw me standing there and wanted to be second in line. So he hurried up and ran behind me and then stopped and did what he was supposed to. So it made sense after that. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. It's very, very interesting. So that's relevant to me, yeah. That is fascinating. Um, can I just, one follow-up question. The, the, the thick coat he was wearing, do you, do you remember what specifically that looked like? It was a dark coat, and it was so wore out that a lot of the stuffing was coming out. Huh. It was uh, kind of stuffing, but it was so hot out. It was in August, hmm. 90 degrees out. And this guy looked like he was freezing. It, 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 sorry, I'm, just, I'm just remembering some of the treatments that they used. Treatments. They, it was basically just torture that they used to do to people in, in 20th century asylums. And the, the, the towel wrapped around his head. I'm just trying to piece together. It's like, was he coming from hydrotherapy? Mm. Like, because in some forms of hydrotherapy, they'd put a towel over your face and essentially just waterboard you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't around his face. It was around his head, though. Uh, chin, chin to top of his head. Yeah. Okay. That's... Yeah. Down, so I didn't see the face. But, and, you know, um, I think of that as well. Um, they tried, what, Bible thumping. They tried electric shock. They tried insulin therapy. Oh, you know, God. there's a lot of things they tried to get these people back. Mm-hmm. Now, now that we know what's wrong with them, we fill them full of pills and push them towards the window. Who do you think cared the most? Yeah, I mean, that you're not wrong. I mean, when you're faced with, I, you know, obviously we look back on uh you know, things like asylums or old hospitals and some of those treatments seem incredibly barbaric and cruel to us. But I mean, we always have to look at context in the sense of I'm sure there were plenty of doctors who were legitimately trying their best to help them and that they just didn't have the tools or the knowledge necessary to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say yeah, what we do modern right. day is correct, but um <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. some of the shock therapies stops the brain, it reboots it. And obviously it worked other when they kept doing it. Yeah. No. Now, ones that didn't work, maybe they cranked it up. <laughs> 
no, we uh, we brought that back. It's an accepted treat. It's an accepted accepted treatment for not only bipolar disorder, but it's an accepted treatment for major depression now. Really? Yeah. If, I didn't know we were yeah. doing that again. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We're we're doing. E- 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 Carrie Fisher had ECT. That was yep. that was Carrie Fisher's oh main treatment was ECT. You want to know? The, you want you want to know how I know that deep down I am a stupid, stupid man? Yeah. I as soon as you said ECT, I was like, oh, I've heard of that. I just it just never occurred to my brain. That's electroshock therapy. It's electroconvulsive therapy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um. So our next question uh is kind of a fun one. Uh. So obviously, after each investigation, you have people coming up to you, showing you pictures, telling you what they experienced. I guess, what are some of the most memorable events that people reported to you that kind of stick out in your head? That happened to them? Yeah, or you, either way. Oh, well, I guess for, for, from others is, is uh, people playing with children that were here. And uh, up in the attic, the big attic upstairs, mm-hmm. um, down the basement. So it just seemed like and it seems like, you know, it's all legit. They'll, they'll say, Hey, you know, move this balloon and, and the balloon will move and, and, uh, they'll, they bring them toys and, and people bring flowers for, for the older, older people that were here. And, and, uh, they seem to really like it and they go, you know, they talk back and forth for a while. Um, it is kind of cool to to think that they're interacting with them. Um, with me, I've had I've had some pretty interesting things. Um, uh, one of the first nights I was here, not by, by myself, just like uh, somebody was walking down the hallway, and it was too dark to see, so I thought somebody was breaking in. And they walked down the hallway, stopped, opened the door, walked through, and closed it. Well, we came, I stayed there while somebody went and got a flashlight, walked down the hallway. There wasn't even a door was closed. So it was just like they were, they were as real as I thought, as you and me. But I couldn't see them. And it was just like the place is alive again. And people were doing what they normally did. And, and we just let them continue what they're doing so i mean even like in the kitchen still has the buzzer they used to ring the buzzer for meals and lights out and all that stuff and we'll ring the buzzer sometimes and we can hear people um running because they think like lunch or something we first time we tried it during investigation we heard a bunch of people running from downstairs going down the stairway and uh we thought the people in the attic were scared that we rang it, and we, we were laughing at them, but they never came down the stairway. They stayed up in the stairway, and they were up in the attic, and they heard people running down the steps, and they thought it was us, so they were huh. laughing at us. So. But yeah, it's just like the place came alive again. Interesting. So don't want to be yelling. It's like the buzzer was a trigger object. It probably, yeah. like he said, it probably was like that was probably how they indicated like lunch or mm-hmm. yard times over. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. I can't get the image out of my head now of you uh, hitting that buzzer and then uh, completely unseen to everyone. A bunch of ghosts coming in the room and just being really angry that there's no lunch. Uh, yeah. 
Now, well, uh, in your research of the property, now going back to the topic of the kid, people playing with kid ghosts or uh, mm-hmm. kid entities, uh, were there a lot of children kept at the asylum, or do you think those are older for maybe the beggar's house or paupers? No, it, like uh, during wartime, people did unusual things. I mean, like factories closed down and started making army stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So the the infirmary, the asylum, the the uh, poor farm always took in the the uh, wives and children of of arm uh, people fighting in the army because um, they didn't get paid enough to keep their houses. So a lot of them, believe it or not, during while the men were fighting overseas, they didn't get enough pay to keep their houses. Oh. So they had to go somewhere and. And so women and children all came here as well. So they were taken um, during, probably even during the Depression. They were probably taken in whole families. So, yeah, uh, kids were out here quite a bit. Um, the one time they, they, when the orphanage orphanage was closed, I think they even kind of kept it as orphanage so this building was just really it was of course started out like say um it was you know called asylum mm-hmm. on one of the pictures. but then it's got infirmary and poor farm so i think it just whatever they needed for the county in the long run so they took them all in even an infirmary means if you look it up, hospital. Mm-hmm. And so when a plague came through, um, cholera or something, very contagious. Well, you didn't want them in town in the hospital. So any epidemics that came through, they, they sent them out here because we're out in the country. So there was a lot died because of that. I've actually read about county asylums in the 20th century that actually pulled uh, double duty as orphanages. If there were like, like, like again, like, like he said, like if it was wartime or an ep- or like an an outbreak or just something where they had too many orphans and not enough places to put them, some of the older overflow of the older ones, like the teenagers, would just end up at the asylum. Yeah. Right. And then raised that way. Uh, oh God! One yeah. time, cholera epidemic. This this uh, was a morgue. Uh, they used uh, used downstairs as a morgue. They brought in another uh, refrigerator, and they stuck the they stuck the dead bodies right next to the coleslaw. You know, Dan. The more you go over the history of this location, the more I'm like, yeah, this is of any place I've heard of. This is would one would definitely be one I would think we would expect to find ghosts at. Should they be real? I Now, I have a question. This is just a, a random thought that hit my head. And I don't know. This might be uh, like older than that kind of location. I don't know. But there's like sometimes in the older style prisons, there used to be like rooms or places set aside for families of inmates that would live there. Now, did the, the prison that you have, did that have any lo- any places like that? Because I could imagine that there being kids because of something like that. Not, not, at, the, not at the jail we have, no. Mm. Um, 
and even at the asylum, you know, um, if they were brought in for uh, for breaking the law, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't uh, let yeah. them do anything. The, the wife and the kids, they were on their own. Yeah, I was just curious because so, I know like there's a lot of those like back. I mean, I I know like a lot older than the than the the building in the asylum but i was curious if that had come come over for the to, women having their kids stay mm-hmm. with them so uh, no record of that happening at the jail or asylum now in course if somebody well hold on farmer went by <laughs> if somebody <laughs> uh died here uh, one person today fell down three flights of steps. Well, in order to fall down three flights of steps, you would actually have to get up and walk about uh, 35 feet to continue the process. So, hmm. um, yeah, they're they're going to write in the book, died of natural causes, you know, mm-hmm. such like that. So, even though they say this might have been a, like the jail, it was built in 1876. Well. They have a dungeon in the basement, and I'm going to guess that was the first interrogation room mm-hmm. they had. And in 1876, and you're from out of town, and you robbed the bank or whatever. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say. Well, he just won't answer. I don't think they would buy that back then. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch, whole bunch of stuff that just didn't get put down in the history books. Um, if somebody they found dead anywhere and they call and they send them to the hospital where they're pronounced dead you hear that a lot is because if they're pronounced dead on site you have to do an autopsy and an inquiry they don't want that so all these people say that oh so many people uh, nobody hardly died there yeah most <laughs> likely they just weren't pronounced there so yeah yeah so there's when you look at the history and it looks so um, perfect or, you know, what happened. And yeah, they did say that Ida Dunkel hung herself here. They did actually say that, but, um, most of the times I'm going to guess if they died of cholera or, or TB, which they did say a lot of them did, but I'm going to guess later on, they're going to say pronounced dead at the hospital. Um, right. We'll make it in the book. So, I know you look at look at the history of the place. Then that's going to be well. Well, they say uh, history is written by the victors. Well, I'm going to guess it's pretty much the same way. History history was written by the people in charge here. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, that's a, that's a tactic that's still commonly used uh, around the world today. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it's funny that is actually the same exact uh, method, same exact strategy that Disneyland takes mm-hmm. to make sure that no one ever dies at their park, is they can they they don't pronounce them till they're outside the park grounds. Yep. Um. All right. Well, I think that that brings us to our final question, uh, which is the easiest, which is what's next for Dan and the Randolph County Asylum, and where can people find your work? Um. One thing I don't call it work. Okay. It takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> doing this. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, you can you can find us uh same had to get a list or something. Hmm. 
So our website is saving savingmealproperties.com. And then we have Instagram. Um, let's see, Instagram.com Ralph County Asylum Infirmary. And whatever you put in after that. <laughs> I don't know what you <laughs> Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com. Join Saving the Old Properties. Uh, then we even have a place for evidence. If they get great evidence, they can send it to stop.evidence at gmail.com. Okay. And our, our email is Save the Old Properties at gmail.com. We've got quite a bit of trying to cover all the bases. You've got a Twitter account. Yeah, so, uh, I think I follow you on Twitter. And we'll, we'll make sure that we put all these in the episode notes when oh, this goes for, up. For sure, always. Yeah, and we really appreciate people coming here ghost hunting or uh, doing their wedding venues or something because the monies that they give us goes back into saving the place. We do have uh, me, my brother, and... and uh, our secretary and one other people, we do draw a little bit of wages, but uh, me and my brother being the owner, we don't draw any more than anybody else does. So we're trying to, we draw profit 501c3 so people can donate to us and take it off their taxes. Um, so we're trying to do this the best way possible and trying to save these places. Me and my brother, neither one got married or had kids. So these are our babies. Mm-hmm. So try to take care of them the best we can. Um, I know people think it's weird that we're not trying to turn them into apartments and such, but uh, we're just, this is going to be our little gift to the future, I guess. I think, I think so. what you guys are doing is awesome. One. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I looked it up when we were just sitting here and it's only, about, it's just shy of four hours from where we are, and here we're in Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just okay. uh, just only four hours. So we'll definitely have to try and find some time to make our way down there to do our own little investigation because that yeah. it just sounds like fun. But what if my cowardice? You'll get over it. That's exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get too sidetracked, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dan, so much for your time this evening. Uh, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Yes, fun chatting with you as well, and I hope we do see you down here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll we'll shoot you an email if we uh, once once we inevitably uh, set something up. We'll have to add it to the official Noctivigant road trip that inevitably will happen. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, uh, enjoy your evening and have a lovely week. You too.
take a walk with 